Police procedurals, corruption, of course, redeeming yourself, discharging a weapon at a colleague. All of this and more, along with some Michael Moore mustaches in Hill Street Blues. Let's find a show we never seen before. Folks, everybody, we're so glad you're here. Uh, hello to any police officers who are listening in. This a- podcast backs the blue, baby. A cab, a cab. Oh, wait. All Christians are blessed. I guess we got our, our signaling. Uh, All up. Christians are blessed. <laughs> so this show, Hill Street Blues, is a police procedural in an unnamed city. I looked that up to confirm. Yes. And, uh, I thought it was Chicago. No. No, you know what? I do know it's Chicago. It says it's unnamed, but you can tell it's Chicago. And you know why I know this? Lori Lightfoot's in a bad <laughs> fitting suit. <laughs> he peeks into no. a dressing room, and there's Lori Lightfoot. The Chicago cabs are green and white yellow. Oh. And there's a little bit of B-roll in this show that shows a green and yellow cab. Interesting. Yeah, with the little checkerboard. And you don't think that could possibly have been in New York? You think that the cab colors have remained completely consistent for 30 years? The yellow cab, it's a special paint that the TLC... Wow. ...that you have to buy. It's actually like uh, a special style paint that you have to buy from the TLC to put on your vehicle. What's the TLC? Such a racket. The Taxi and Limousine Commission. Oh, Uh, shit. Very much goes in line with the... The TLC is the best example of... Penny foolish, pound wise, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Is that the same? You got it backwards. But you got that right there. Penny, penny, penny wise, pound, pound foolish. foolish. Yeah. It's just like this government agency that was created to regulate uh, an industry, and they made it way more confusing than it needs to be. Well, they. To be fair to them, they did not foresee Uber coming. But even before then, it was still fucked up because they, they it was just the amount of regulations they put on it is like insane. That's yeah. why the Ubers are so expensive here. Ubers is expensive. Cabs are expensive. It's the whole thing's fucking expensive. And that's kind of good for you. It, w- it was better for us when pre-corona. <laughs> Have rides bounded back at all? Jack's a cab dispatcher. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did a f- I did a full thirteen hours of cab dispatching on last Saturday. I've been learning. I've been doing more yellow cabs on uh, when I since I got back from Chicago because there's some parts of the that that company that are a little slow that they want my expertise to, 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 to grease up, speed yeah, it up, grease up. Yeah. And um, are you gonna fire everybody and bring in some uh, Indian workers? <laughs> <laughs> like uh ship the jobs out of out, yeah, out of the country. That's exactly you're gonna <laughs> that's exactly fifty twenty nine. Um so yeah, I did a full thirteen hours of cab dispatching. It was fucking pretty painful to be honest. But um yeah, I learned a lot because I learned that back in the day cab dispatchers used to make like eighty K, ninety K. How? How did they make all their money? Because you don't actually make because like ca- people think you're just like people call you and say hey can you come send can you send a ride out to me I'm on Gleason Street that's what I think yeah no cab dispatcher is the person so you have a fleet of yellow cabs right you got a hundred yellow cabs you have drivers coming in and out all day that you send them out to and the goal of the dispatcher is to have 
all 100 cars working 24-7. Mm-hmm. So if he has 10 cars that are only doing day shifts, then he's done a bad job because he needs to cover... He needs to try and get somebody covering those for those night shifts. So what does he do? Go on Facebook and message people from high school to <laughs> drive a cab? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a bunch of yellow cab drivers. Like, we have, like, a list of 700 yellow cab drivers. Oh, so you're calling them. guys who are yeah, on the list say, who aren't coming in. Yeah, hey, you know, you haven't been in in a week. I haven't been I got seen in a while. Yeah, yeah, you haven't been in a week. Are you coming, planning on coming in tonight? No, you're not coming in tonight. You say it's a little too high, 90 bucks. I'll give it to you for 70 for the night. All right? See you later. How many calls did you make on Saturday? Uh, right now we're at full capacity because I'm doing a great job. But nice, uh, you're at full capacity. We got a hundred yellow cabs on the road right now. How many know? rides do these guys get in a night? You know, depending on the guy. Like some guys do horrible, but some guys go to the movies during their shifts. <laughs> you know, do? some guys use the cars <laughs> for medical, like for doctor's appointments. But it's we, like they paid for it. Yeah, we have a couple old guys who literally just. Do it because they like. They're not even trying to make any money. They're just trying to break even. They're just. Just, They like it. They like the experience. They want to come talk to our guy, Milton. (laughs) Is anyone losing money? People are definitely losing money. I mean, but what the the way the industry has changed recently though is now the dispatcher in the the dispatcher has less to do, which is maybe dangerous. And they use they use a dispatch share service now, right? What's that? You just you go on an app and they. And then you turn it on when you want to dispatch. Oh, no. So they have the option. (laughs) Now, the big push is for, like, weekly. Get the car away from me. You want to rent the car weekly? I'll give it to you for 500 which is, like, you, you typically in daily you can rent it for ninety bucks a shift, day and night shift, ninety bucks a day and night shift. So that's one hundred and eighty for the twenty four hours, right? But if you only send it to him for weekly, you only get five hundred for the whole week. But you save on like not having to deal with people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So that's what the industry is now, moving towards. You're a cab dispatcher. I actually I had a job really similar. I was a cub dispatcher, and I would dispatch uh, young hairy gay men all across <laughs> the city. I was a cub dispatcher. You were a pimp. No, I was a cub dispatcher. Okay, it's different. And I was the, different. The, the big thing for a cub dispatcher is you got to make sure those kids are working twenty four seven. They work. Not kids. They're just <laughs> Young men. younger men. Yeah, yeah, younger yeah. adult men. Thinner yeah. than bears. They're just yeah. thin bears. They're thinner they're thin bears. bears. <laughs> no, it's not, they're not just thin bears. I don't, I don't want to undersell the cubs I was dispatching. <laughs> that's fair. And we wanted them working 24 hours a day. So that was a little taxi 101. And that's how I could tell that they were in Chicago. Do you have to clean the cabs or inspect them no, for the cleanliness? the drivers are supposed to clean the cabs. Do they Who do a good job? them accountable, though? Honestly, the dr- the driver who gets in the car after them is the one who holds them accountable. And that's why there's sometimes fist fights. Are there? No. I think back in the day, though, there used to be. I mean, back in, like, I sit behind thick plexiglass. Because back in the day. They pull a piece on they you? Used to, you? You used to have, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the dispatch. Yeah, house. yeah. It was, like, ridiculous. Now, How you, much got you, have now you got nothing. How you much do you have in there now, exactly? <laughs> no, no, you got and nothing. And when is when the shift changes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. Ben Affleck listens to the pod. Dude, I was in Charlestown last week for a comedy show outside at this great park. How does any how is Charlestown a tough guy town? Yeah. It's like one square mile of beautiful brownstones directly on the ocean with the best <laughs> view of Boston. Like it's beautiful. I yeah. don't understand the Where projects. There used to, I've been to the projects. I know over there's there. a project yeah. there, but but it used to be more all projects. Dude, I'm driving around province, uh, Charlestown. It's 6 p.m. I mean, there's not one person outside. Dude, there's that horrible story. The black kid, the black football player getting shot in the Charlestown 
I'm not familiar with that. Dude, in like when there was all that, <laughs> when, when in the past when there uh, was all that racial <laughs> tension in Boston, the busing, yeah, Long the gone. busing, there was like a black player from like Dorchester who was on the football field and somebody shot him on the field. That's what? insane. Like yeah. during the game? I think you. I I don't know. I don't know the full story. I probably. Sh- I I could be making it all up. It was something. Just the fantasy me. of yours? No, no. <laughs> it's just a story that I might have been misinterpreting. Let me Google that. Let's talk about. Yeah, well, yeah, but wh- what were you? I mean, you're like, what were? What was your big reveal gonna be? Oh, my big reveal was this had been referred to as the sister show to Saint Elsewhere. Oh, now really? I thought that literally meant they were developed by the same people and shared the same universe. It turns out that people just referred to Saint Elsewhere as Hill Street Blues of the hospital, but they are not related or affiliated in any way. Wait, Tommy oh. Westfall is yes. This is not the Tommy Westfall. This universe. isn't. In the, they didn't make it in somehow. They may. They probably did, right? Because mm. it seems like every sitcom from that time yeah. was, but it is not explicit. Like Explicit? explicitly part of the Tommy Westfall universe. Oh, got it. That's what you thought was. I the case? thought it was. I it thought does it was come up when I clicked on the Hill Street Blues. It comes up as recommended viewing as Saint Elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, this show is. Uh, yeah, it's just a standard police procedural. What I did like about this show is there's a lot of um, nitty gritty with it. There is <laughs> a lot of nitty gritty. <laughs> like people, like there's scenes of people like, oh, you got to sign this document, and he's like <laughs> signing it, <laughs> you know, which is kind of funny. Because it shows that um, a lot of government work is just annoying paperwork. The bullshitization of jobs. Mm-hmm. The Hill, yeah, Hill Street Blues takes place in a fictional American city that apparently was supposed to be modeled after you know, several different cities like Chicago, Pittsburgh, New York. and uh, Blue-collar towns. It has a blue-collar vibe. Definitely has a blue-collar vibe. You've got, you've got cops that are dealing with, uh, with alimony and getting divorced. Uh, the creator of the show I read wanted, yeah. to, wanted to create a police procedural that explored more of like the human character side of cops rather than just treating them as devices to tell a crime story. Like the Sopranos for cops. Kind of like the Sopranos for cops, yeah. To something to humanize them, although the Sopranos doesn't humanize gangsters. It makes gangsters like Tony look like even huger monsters than you could possibly imagine. Right, but the favored like analysis of the Sopranos always shows even gangsters get excited at their kids' soccer game. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and this show, yeah, it shows uh, the humanization of police, but mostly it makes the police look bad. Uh, explain. So they've got... The one cop who's kind of bald and Dennis Franz. Dennis Franz, the fat bald cop. Bald, bald cop. He's Bunce? a loose. Yeah, Bunce. Bunce. Bunce is a loose cannon. He is a loose cannon. Bunce has a spinoff after this called Beverly City Bunce. <laughs> oh no way! Are you serious? Yes. Wow. Bunce is always in tra- in cop shows. Yeah, because he was on Beverly City, Beverly City, Beverly, whatever you just. Have said. you seen Beverly Hill Bunce? No. <laughs> oh. I I can't believe that actually came out. Um. But he was all a bunch. Uh, the uh, Dennis Franz was on NYPD Blue as another, uh, you know, and crazy I cop. They show his butt cheeks that in a the shower scene. That was the big controversy. The I was reading about NYPD Blue. They showed they showed they flirted with nudity. TV nudity. Yeah. Wait, and that was bad. They didn't like the it. FC, it was a big the, moment. The FCC took them to court over his cheeks. Over no, over another per- actor's oh, cheeks. Oh, it wasn't Franz's cheeks? Uh, I don't know if Franz ever showed his cheeks, but the, the <laughs> article I read <laughs> so was was about an actress's cheeks. So Franz's Ooh. cheeks are some of the most famous and litigated <laughs> cheeks of all time. Yes. I would love Franz's cheeks to go to the Supreme Court. 
He's such a kind of like nasty looking guy. Yeah, he he actually he opened up a restaurant in Tennessee called Franz's Cheeks, and it's just uh, it's pig pig cheeks. <laughs> I I actually feel that Franz is so ugly that he's handsome. I think. Oh whoa! I think it comes around. Kind of in like a kind of like a Last Kingdom Uhtred look. Yeah, because he does have that top beef, obviously. Oh yeah. He's got the mustache. His clothes fit him. But he's short. Unlike Lori Lightfoot. King. Yeah, he's a short king. So he probably has a big looking dog. You kn- yeah, you know he's hairy. He's but he's I, a musk. I could not get a <laughs> sexy vibe. I from, guarantee you, woman Bronx. thought Bunce was hot. I think some women probably did. But p- women like a man in uniform who's willing to go on the edge. Women like justice. an ugly man too. Famously. That's actually really true. Yeah. <laughs> well. So Bunce was definitely hot. So I bet he was one of the leading sex symbols of the eighties. I, I really like this character who is like going through the divorce and they're they're investigating the prostitute murders. Okay. Yes. Uh, he's interesting, but also not a good guy. No, not a really good guy. playing fast and loose with threats. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so he's, a p- he's yeah, he's going there through are div- more bad cops than good cops on the show. Just like in real life. Uh, this, <laughs> he's going through a divorce, and he actually like elicits help from his partner. He wants his partner to like help threaten his wife's divorce lawyer, which yeah. is very bad. And then th- it seems really completely illegal, and I'm surprised that the friend went along with it. That surprised me. I'm not surprised. You got to do what Ain't you got to do baby. to help a, bit, a buddy out. They didn't Thin seem like line. huge buddies. Yeah. They seemed like friendly coworkers. So would you still do that? Like, if would you ra- would you threaten a coworker? Dude, you know, it's Starbucks. No. I just had a guy pretend to be. Uh, I was. I had a coworker. Retarded? No, I was. <laughs> I need to get to some get a job at the for my van, like for my a mutual fund that my grandfather set up for me. Literally fifty years ago. Dude, this is like a it, seven months suck. Yeah, how much money is that? Having it? Millions? No, it's literally like four and a half grand. It's not a lot, but this these fucking people won't let me. They won't transfer it to my name, and they keep asking for my grandfather's approval, who's been dead for fifteen years. Did you send them a death certificate? I so right before I sent them the death certificate, I tried to send them a death certificate. My backpack got stolen in Chicago, and the death certificate wasn't there. So now oh. I got to How insane is that? That's outrageous. Yeah, so I got Dude, do you think them. they pulled it out, and they were like, score? <laughs> <laughs> and they probably, hand- I mean, they got a social. They're probably, they're probably voting for Biden <laughs> with it. <laughs> you think Lori Lightfoot uses it to vote for Biden? <laughs> yes. So then, um, Wow, you had your social in there? No, no his, his dad's so- grandfather's oh. socials. Oh, yeah, you probably are stealing it. Yeah, yeah. So then I, like... Um, so I was trying to call them to like get the information and they were like, no, we need your grandfather. And I was like, my grandfather's dead. I called back five minutes later and I just handed the phone to my coworker to pretend to be my grandfather. Really? <laughs> yeah. And Did they gave the information. They, that worked? Yes. Even though multiple times on the same phone number, I've said to them, my grandfather's been dead for a long time. Please just give me the information. <laughs> Boston comedian Janet McNamara has a similar story of filling out paperwork for her grandmother that involved her dead grandfather's approval and she was like he's dead and they were like well we need to talk to him and they were like well he's dead and then i think she pretends to be the grandfather and says hello this is me yes i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> funny stuff yes so i'm going through a similar thing so i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to ask your co-worker to impersonate somebody to uh you know help you move along in life but would there you, was a threat. now your co-worker helped you out with impersonation would you help if they said they wanted you to help threaten someone, maybe with their personal safety or their life, um, depends on the situation. Okay. If it, it's you know, 
If it's about if it's a cheating wife, you're goddamn right I'd help him. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but the situation here is he suspects Specs, he can yes. get a better deal if he <laughs> insinuates his wife is cheating, yeah. which he cannot prove, but he thinks if he threatens it, she'll admit to it. <laughs> it's a flawed, flawed art. And he's flawed a flawed. Thing. He's a flawed character, yeah. Flo- like a diamond. Flawed. It's very flawed and complex. My, this the the set the best part and saddest part of the show is there are two people that are this vacuum cleaning is insane. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can hear it through. No, here. I don't think okay. you can. I don't think you'll, it'll come through. <laughs> but if you can, uh, it's I not us. A, I have <laughs> a vacuum hooked up to my penis because <laughs> I I really like the feeling. <laughs> The uh, <laughs> um the saddest subplot of the show is there's these two guys that are trying to gather information about this serial killer. One of them is just rushing through all of these interviews, and the other guy is like, every person they interview is like so sad and depressed. And like one girl's got all these kids. There's another old woman who's like so desperate for company. It it was so sad. Didn't you think that was sad? Yeah, and yeah. they later this guy. One of the young teen moms mm-hmm. says, I know you to this cop, and he can't figure out why. And he goes to visit her at her home. And her home is over the top sad. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no paintings on the wall. There's like a, a couch that's basically cardboard. There's like a dirty <laughs> sheet on the couch. <laughs> like everything is horrible. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's like basically like they put a rat. In the in there, you know, the, they, the family lives inside of a rat's belly. Yeah, it's <laughs> such squalor. And then what I really don't like is that this cop is trying to figure out where he knew the woman from, the girl, and she says, "Oh, when I was in seventh grade, which was the last year I went to school, you were like the public safety officer. You came to talk to us, and I was embarrassed." And then he says, "Let's go out to dinner." <laughs> I didn't like that. I didn't. What'd you no, guys feel about he that? He said, "No." You're crazy. He said, let me feed your kids. Yeah. He was more based. It wasn't, hey, want to go on a date? <laughs> you know? Dude, I think it was a date. Do you think it's uh, an ephemophile situation? I think it's an abuse of power. I don't know the age You situation. don't think cops are allowed to date? Well, well Cuomo's daughter thinks they are, but Cuomo's, <laughs> Cuomo sent the cop up 180 miles away. You know, I don't think cops are allowed to date children that they teach. <laughs> Now, if that's a controversial <laughs> statement, then I'm a controversial guy. But yeah. I think that is... Well, we think blue lives matter. What are you, Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard much from Cap lately. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know nothing about it. Um, he definitely probably wouldn't have liked Blue Hills, Blue Streets Hill. Hill Street Blues. Yeah. He might have when he was a kid. Yeah. He's in the right age range for it. He probably loved Franz's butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> we should watch NYPD uh, Blue for the show. We definitely should. But I've actually had sort of this experience before, you know, where like... Um, well, like where Dennis Franz, when he got he got framed up in the show? Yeah, Dennis Franz gets framed in the show, and I've actually had an experience like that before. Really? Tell us yeah. about it. I was a cop in the 1980s. All I cool. did was bust crack addicts and ruin African-American family structures on the weekdays <laughs> and snort coke at... Th- at the club on the weekends. Sick. That was the good old days of being a cop when the things you did had purpose and we had values. Then in 1989, all that changed. We got a lieutenant who wanted us to take sensitivity training. <laughs> so I freaking punched him in the mouth and said over my dead body. Lieutenant Pig told me to watch my step <laughs> and that there was a new leader in town and we played by the rules now. 
and we did it the right way. He asked me to fill out my paperwork for tax purposes, but to show him. Oh, he asked me to fill out my some paperwork for tax purposes, but to show him I didn't play by the rules. I didn't do them. Nice. A couple years later, the IRS audited my taxes and had seen <laughs> that I hadn't filed that year. Lieutenant Pig had set me up with tax fraud. <laughs> <laughs> that bastard. Now the IRS is garnishing my wages, and my fuck. wife won't fuck me no more. Things were getting so bad, I tried a little crack to see what the difference was <laughs> and realized, although it's a little stronger, it was really no different and that than the men's lives I had ruined. And I recognized my internal racism and the amount of hypocrisy I was able to justify over the years landed on my shoulders like giving Rosie O'Donnell a piggyback ride. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I bought some rope from the hardware store and hung myself in the garage. Wow. I guess Lieutenant Pig's sensitivity class had worked. Damn. We had a remarkably similar situation. Really? Yes. I was a police officer living in 2020. Seeing all the political division, the time people had at home, and the podcast boom, I decided <laughs> to open up a Back the Blue, Get to Know Your Cop podcast. Oh, I know. I'm like, I would, a bad idea. I would talk about what it was like to be a police officer, how our wives worried if we would come home at the end of a shift, and I would play basketball with local teenagers to show that we really were pretty cool. Nice. We had, I had a thriving Patreon. I was making tens of thousands <laughs> of dollars, even more money than I would make sitting at construction sites in Massachusetts directing traffic <laughs> for overtime pay. <laughs> One of my fellow police officers, Lieutenant Rachel, was very upset. She said that podcasts favored men, and men made much more money podcasting than women. So she investigated my Patreon. On my Patreon, I had marked my address as New York State. <laughs> New York State Patreon has a, lower, has a higher threshold for reporting tax earnings to New York State than Massachusetts. <laughs> I was not paying tax money on my Patreon dollars. Oh. This was reported to the police, <laughs> and I was not punished for breaking the law because they didn't want to break the thin blue line. Nice. So I go on today committing tax fraud and hanging out at construction sites while recording my podcast, making overtime and untaxed Patreon dollars. <laughs> <laughs> do you actually record the podcast while you're doing overtime making directing traffic? I do. I do. Um, sometimes I'll just sit in the car and there's like a jackhammer in the back. <laughs> but <laughs> Do you ever get complaints about sound quality? No. People, people say, wow, I can't imagine what it's like to be a cop to have to deal with that. That's, That's hard. Is that true about women patrons don't make as much as men? No, I don't think it is true, but I have heard women say that. If, if you, if you like, social media is so difficult, as we know, as non-beneficiaries <laughs> of its thing, that like, you inevitably start to play the blame game, right? So if yeah. you're like a comic, you're like, right, like that guy you listen to, oh, I could go viral if I wanted to. Yes. You're either too smart or men say, oh, women, they go viral because they show off their bodies, yeah. right? And then some women will say, men, they go more viral on podcasts. I don't know if it's true. I don't think that it is. I mean, my feed seems to think women with bodies are the best internet entertainment. <laughs> My that's all my feed is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't. Is that me or is that the feed? That's most people's feed because women women on social media on Instagram get more likes and have more followers. If you are a woman in the twenties, you might like a photo of a w woman practically nude practicing <laughs> her exercise strip pole thing yeah. because you're like, yes, queen. I love the outfit you build each other up. But if, if you're, you're a, a man, man, you're not liking or stopping anything that is not a half nude woman, right? <laughs> so <laughs> men don't follow men online, and right. they do follow women, and women follow both. But men do listen to more podcasts than women, 
because th- that's probably true. I don't know if that's true. Men definitely started podcasting first, but I think Ooh. women have have definitely made up the gap. There are some huge women-led podcasts for sure that make boatloads of dollars. Like Rosie has a podcast. Is that what you mean? No, like Call Her Daddy. All these ones for young millennial women. Yeah, that's a good. They're point. big. Yeah, yeah, I would be like very. Rosie. Surprised <laughs> if there was a difference in male and female podcast lists, like if the, yeah, the gender the of the host yeah. made a difference. No. Uh, maybe people could fall back. Joe Rogan is only famous because he's a man, but I think that would be pretty base level analysis. I wonder how many women listen to Joe Rogan compared because, like, like call her daddy. I bet you it's a lot of women, but there's also a lot of men who listen to it, right? I think Joe Rogan is probably just mostly men. Mostly is an ambiguous term. I think "call her daddy" is probably mostly men too. You think? I mean, mostly women. <laughs> I was like, wow. Well, I know the people I know who listen to "call her daddy" are men who are like getting horny. Listen. Oh, to really? It. Yeah, they like. They like. Dude, Do they I jack off? I don't think they jack off, but I think they, they envision. Might. They might. They envision their lives to be with women like that. Like, I think. It, I think there is a demographic of thirty to forty year old men who listens to "call her daddy." And he's like, wow, is that like what women are doing now? That's like kind of sick. Really? Yeah. I know it to be true. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. I don't think there's a group of 30 to 40-year-old women who are saying, listening to Rogan saying, wow, I wish a man <laughs> would discredit my experience like that. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Joe Rogan, though. Yes, we know. And I, a lot of women like Joe Rogan. Mm. But mostly men. <laughs> 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 wow, was a, what a pointlessly gender discussion of t- podcasting, you know? It's curious. Sorry. My conclusion was I don't think that there is a, an, a, uh, an advantage to being a man or a woman. Yeah. I think you just have different audiences, but I think the audiences are equally strong. Can I read my thing now? <laughs> <laughs> you think so? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was an undercover cop who worked arresting Johns who solicited male prostitutes in Los Angeles. I was so dedicated to the job that when I was undercover, I stayed in character completely, which meant that almost every time I would be on a bust, I would perform actual oral sex with oh the suspect. <laughs> this led to my nickname around the station, Slurpico, <laughs> because of the slurping noises I would make when I would suck dick. Nearly all the suspects that I, w- I worked with went free once the DA found out that I had given them actual head as part of my <laughs> investigation. <laughs> I confided in an officer named Chris that I really enjoyed giving blowjobs. He said he told me that this was wrong, it was immoral and illegal, and that he was going to report me to the press. I knew this was a huge problem. Around the office and around the station, me sucking dick was seen as a harmless joke, but in the press it could be portrayed and construed in a really negative way. So I planted drugs in Chris's locker, and just to be sure, I cut out some magazines of teen starlets from Disney magazines to make them appear to be an ephebophile. Uh, <laughs> Chris was fired, and I thought all was well until I saw that the cop that I framed was Officer Christopher Dorner, and that he had killed several people in a violent revenge rampage. Officer Christopher Dorner had holed himself up in a cabin in Big Bear, and I rode up with a SWAT team who was itching to arrest him and bring him to justice. But Chris knew the truth, so I couldn't let that happen. Ten minutes before SWAT was to move in, I crept in through a window to kill Christopher Dorner and make it look like a suicide. But he got the drop on me, knocking my gun away and pinning me to a cabin wall. Give me one good reason I shouldn't kill you right now, Slurpico, he said, as he put (laughs) his gun to my head. I just smiled confidently, and I said, 
because I had a date with one of the SWAT guys. Then I spat my mouthful of cum into his eyes. <laughs> Chris cried out and dropped me, his vision gone, wiping jizz from his eyes uselessly and firing blind several times. I pushed Chris down the stairs into the basement and quickly set the cabin on fire before exiting back out the window. I stood with the SWAT team and we watched the cabin burn to the ground with Chris inside. The team offered me a ride back to L.A., but SWAT officer Mason and Menez decided that we should stay in Big Bear for the weekend to mourn our fallen LAPD brothers together. <laughs> God damn. So I guess I framed someone in that. I didn't get <laughs> framed. How Chris- closely did you follow Christopher Dorner? Christopher Dorner, I think uh, pretty closely. It was a it was a big story. I don't remember Christopher Dorner. He's this like big giant uh, cop who like was upset with LAPD over discrimination stuff, so he killed a bunch of people. What did he have a right to be upset? Yeah, of course. A cap, baby. <laughs> was it actually discrimination? I don't know. He should have killed any innocent people though. Well, who's innocent? He had a manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> he had a manifesto too. Yeah, right? where he listed his favorite comedians, famous. Yes, he yes. did. Wait, who are you talking about? Like Joe Rogan. It's like literally like Jerry Seinfeld is like hilarious, and Patton Oswalt is very let talented. Me, let me look it up because yeah, he brings up the Caller Daddy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. He was just a big comedy nerd. Yeah, he was. It, it's weird to think. So he about. probably was a failed comedian. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Can you imagine if you were like, if you got up after Christopher Dorner and you were like making fun of his set? <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, if only he had known about podcasting, he would have never killed those people. Do you think podcasting has saved lives from would-be homicidal people? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely. 100%. I think it's, yeah, because some of these people that might have gone to kill people maybe just focused that stuff inwards and took it out of themselves. Uh, just started talking into a mic. Self-flagellating themselves about how much of a failure they were? <laughs> I forget who... All right, here's, here we go. Quote, It's kind of sad I won't be around to view and enjoy The Hangover 3, Dorner writes. What no. an awesome What an awesome <laughs> trilogy. Todd Phillips, don't make any more hangovers after the third. Takes away the originality of its foundation. <laughs> Dorner also proved himself to be a fan of the genre dra- of the zombie genre, writing World War Z looks good and Walking Dead season three looked intriguing. <laughs> Charlie Sheen, Dorner writes, is effing awesome. <laughs> Wait, Dorner's just riffing about upcoming movies. He singles out Ellen DeGeneres for her excellent contribution to entertaining America and all and bringing the human factor to entertainment. Uh, he also credits her with shaping how the country views the LGBT community. And look at him now, egg on his face. <laughs> <laughs> mean Ellen. <laughs> Dorner knew. That's why I don't forgive Dorner. Is he accepted Ellen? Bill Cosby gets his own paragraph at the end of the manifesto in which Dorner implores the comedian not to mute your unvarnished truthful speech or moral compass. Wow. <laughs> Dorner would have been Damn. Dude, I think Dorner like realized that he tried to buy NBC and he knew he would have known. <laughs> wow. No, I followed I mean, I followed Christopher Dorner pretty closely. I don't remember at all. How many people did he kill? I think like four or oh, something like so that. Oh, it's so small. No. Wait, and then when, when the cops were hunting him, they went buck wild. And they yeah. like shot three people who had nothing to do with it just because they were jumping. It's like the officer down, resp- ev- all cans respond yeah. thing, yeah. right? 
Well, there's, you know what? We I just listened to a, another podcast actually that's got a female host. Really? Yeah, it's called Criminal. Pointlessly gendered. <laughs> <laughs> she um, she t- she was telling the story about how in oh Criminal, I listen to Criminal. Criminal's great. The Sarah, whatever her name. Yeah, she's got a she does it's very uh, calming it's soothing yeah. do you yeah. think anyone listens to our podcast because <laughs> of our attractive voices i think maybe uh, 100%. i don't want to rule that out i think what they really listen to for though is uh flipping remarks about mass murders <laughs> <laughs> dude i can't believe you liked alan uh hangover th- three it wasn't i don't see hangover three. You guys was see tyson that? in that one i don't know yeah that is a weird. He has horrible taste. Yes, he has very <laughs> rudimentary <laughs> blockbuster taste. Yeah. What were you saying? Though? Um, there's a story in Criminal. So basically, a woman, a guy was running away from the cops. They chased him in his car, and um, they hit another car, murdered. They killed the police. Killed the woman. Then the po- police charged that kid for murder because h- the events that he caused caused that woman's death. So now the guy's in jail. He was convicted murder. off this. He was convicted. Yeah. What state? That that, that that's a re- it's like a thing in a bunch of states actually. That's like there's a whole law behind it that basically if you can if it can be proved that your you, what you did caused the mur- like the death of somebody else, you can be tried for murder. Then you could just lock up any mother of a murderer. You could say the birthing of a murderer caused the murder. I like this idea. Yeah. Go all the way to the end, lock up everybody. <laughs> <laughs> It's very, uh, it was sad. The guy was like, it was just sad. And then it, it, the guy, like, it's under appeal and all that shit. And the, the police lied about how fast they were going. They have, like, all that's on in the engine, like, computer, basically. And so, the, of course, they lied on the stand about, like, the f- how fast they were going, the warnings they gave. But why wouldn't they? They don't get held accountable. It never matters. It oh, Trump has taught us, always lie. You will never be held accountable. <laughs> you will never be held accountable. Just yeah. lie. Yeah, seriously. And um, so it's just weird. That, the whole thing's weird. But uh, the Hill Street Blues, it do- I did like What do you think the, the Blues were, were about? What do you the think Blue Uniforms. Oh. Uh, not the, not like the song, not like a music genre. Not it could friends be, with the harmonica and a little fedora. <laughs> there was also a fire at the police station, and they lost some records. That's that made true. it a little too frantic for me. But th- it's actually, a very high speed show. In the clip we're about to hear, we're gonna hear uh, Bunce talking about his frame up with uh, with another character. But right after they talk about Bunce, uh, a character comes in and he comments in a maybe offensive way about the burned down fire station. Talking about the little Jewish lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is a famous Jack Burke term. So we're going to hear it <laughs> used in a sentence for the spelling bee right here. Shipman overlooked five court officers because their names never appeared in the hearing records. I'm assuming a clerical error, but technically any one of them could have handled the suitcase. Coho. Vernon. What about him? Damn. Damn. Norman. I'll tell you what about him, Captain. There's a guy named Benedict at the Heights who was trying to steal my snitch. Must have been pumping him for crap on me, helping to build a case. And Coho? They were damn partners. When Coho was a slug cop, the two guys were partnered up together. Damn it. I knew this was a frame job. I knew it. Howard Frank, we have to get four detectives over to the federal courthouse right away. Norman, you're going to stay put. You understand? You stay right here. Joyce. Hi, Erwin. 
if this was the Catskills and this was my Uncle Hyam's Colony Resort, they would call this Jewish lightning. Something wrong? My constituents. Nine killed in the last seven months, and they go on with business as usual. I understand it's come home now. The ones last night were found in the hill. Out of nowhere, too. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of anti-sex work in this show, too. Yeah, they, that's they, true. The way they treat the sex workers is not okay. They treat them as if they're all criminals when... Well, technically they are. <laughs> I guess. Well, I mean, so were, so were enslaved people escaping to freedom. There you go. Would you call them criminals? No, I would not. There okay. we go. So I, I don't think the moral law would have agreed with slavery. Yeah, and I don't. And I you don't think the moral law agrees with the criminalization? Of, I think it. I think. I think prostitution <laughs> should be illegal. Yeah. You're gonna trot out this thing again about trafficking this tired ass line. Well, I got one opinion. I'm keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this tired you know, ass line about some trafficking st- one study. You know my empathy. I think that the John should be locked up. Not no, not John. My name's John. <laughs> No. I think we had this exact dialogue <laughs> a week ago. <laughs> um, what else happened? So he, I, you know, Dennis Franz's character is super fucking Do they annoying. catch this uh, prostitute killer? No, they just they, go they, out to they, dinner they, in an they, inappropriate and ambiguous <laughs> manner. No, they do. They catch the guy. It's like a black guy named Daryl who was bringing the serial killer a bunch of prostitutes. You don't remember that? And they, put the, they stick him up. They chase him out the window. So what oh, happens okay. was there was like a pimp that was bringing the white guy all these dead these women to do this to to kill. Jeez, but I then, hope he's getting a fucking good rate. God damn. But then the the serial killer died and the guy the guy decided that he was like, "Oh, I don't want to I don't want to the killing to stop or something." It didn't make any sense, but I'll so tell wait. you this, it was uncomfortable watching I I don't watching police procedurals nowadays is uncomfortable. The whole the, the, you the think the so? Con- yeah, I think so because of the like, the racial divide between it. Every all the criminals in this show, besides the biggest criminal who was the work guy working at the IDS, were were black people. And it was there was a black guys. cop. There was black cops, but it. But the all the, you think? But you saw all the criminals were black, basically. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was the the biggest criminal in the show was the white cop who was on the inside. Exactly yeah. inside <laughs> yes. white collar crime. And we can yeah. assume the Jewish guy who set the station fire. <laughs> Well, he's not white. Good point. <laughs> he's the son of Abraham. There's also what else? There's one. A lot of people hold your viewpoint that police procedurals are uncomfortable in this day and age. I don't buy it. I, I don't mean, hold it either. But it is cops had to be canceled. Then they came back immediately, but they did cancel <laughs> themselves. I mean, I it, it, I think there could be you could do a police procedural now, be fine. But I all white criminals. I think the older ones are tough. But you don't watch police procedurals anyway, you know? So it's like one of those things. They didn't lose your business. Like, they never had your business. Well, that's not true because, say, you could – I might watch Cheers. If I watched the first episode of Cheers, right, I could watch Cheers. Cheers was good. I'd watch Cheers, right? Hill Street Blues was revered like Cheers. Yes. Yes, and there's also a character named Norm. Yes. So it's possible that you could watch an episode of Hill Street Blues and be like, oh, I'll watch this whole thing. I'm not afraid to watch old television. But I'm saying you don't watch police procedurals, That's right? That's not true. I, I'll, get da- I'll go down a, a, a rabbit hole of uh, SVU. Nice. You so know? you still watch it or you, they've lost your business post? I wouldn't watch one now. Unless Olivia <laughs> Cupola was doing some sort of lesbian scene. <laughs> <laughs> like an ultimate surrender kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I could get behind it. But no, I guess you're right. Um we uh, 
Dennis Franz, he's kind of typecast as a cop, and he's in Bunts and Beverly Hill. I can't believe that's Beverly real. Hill Bunts. How many seasons could that have gone? They should have made Beverly Hill Buns. <laughs> <laughs> he so he goes to Beverly Hills. I'm gonna look this up. He probably lasted about 15 weeks out there. Yeah, they probably made 87 episodes for a two season show. You know what's funny is that it's his spinoff, Beverly Hill Buns. It's the same basic premise as Joey, the Friends spinoff. Which is what? The f- spinoff of Friends with Joey. No, I know what's oh, the premise. Where he heads out west. <laughs> I guess it's just, you know, they did East a Coast. friend spinner? Yeah, Joey. Oh, but Joey. How long did Joey last? I think one season. We'll look it up. Well, I mean, Joey sounds sad. It's like Joey was in New York for a decade, <laughs> and then all his friends moved on and got married, and he decided to keep living the single life the in uh, single life LA. In the Midwest. It's kind of like your joke about um, coming out as gay in your late 20s. If you yes. want to tell that on the pod. <laughs> well, it's been so long, I don't even remember how it goes, really. But um, Damn, it only lasted like six months. But you know who loved it? That murderer from L.A. who killed the cops. Christopher Dorner. Christopher Dorner. Chris, Dorner. Chris, Dorner. Chris, Chris <laughs> Dorner has the world's most impressive open mic joke catalog. <laughs> Jack Burke, I love what you're doing. <laughs> Can you imagine getting a shout-out by a mass murderer? I mean, Ellen must have been. I mean, she's who would be your number one shooter to uh, give you a shout who out? Who do I want? Yeah, if Who's you had to pick one, if you had to pick one, you yeah. got it. So this, okay. And in in his speech before he does his bad thing, he says, "Oh, by the <laughs> way, I love your work, John Paul." <laughs> oh God, um, I'm gonna g- shooter or just murder? We you. you I know you want to puss out, so you can go murder up. I want to pick OJ. I want to show him. OJ's okay, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, he at least he killed two people. He also didn't. He just took a fall. You know, <laughs> <so> that's, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, okay, give me you. You want to? Um, it's hard. I None mean, of the shooters a, are good. No, no, they're all bad guys. I mean, it would have been. I w- you know I like Chris gambling. Kyle. Yeah, uh, Chris. No, Kyle. Paddock would have been your guy because he didn't say anything. So if literally the only <laughs> thing he said was. I love Jack Burke's <laughs> comedy. <laughs> that would have made waves. Yes, that you would have been, been all over cable. I would have been, you know, I would have at least been given an extra three to five minutes on all my showcase shows. He's up there in the he's up there in the towers of that casino shooting. He's just doing Being the air he's pussy. doing the air pussy <laughs> eating. <laughs> I have a famous but. Famous bit. Famous bit. <laughs> Where I mimic pussy eating, and um, Stephen Paddock was a fan. He just didn't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> John Fall. Who do you choose? Oh. Fuck. <sighs> it's all right. You don't have to. No, I want I want to. You got know. you got Omar Mateen. You got oh, Stephen geez. Paddock. You uh, got... Who else? You got the the trench boy boys, the trench coat boys. No, uh, D- D- Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Yeah, Can you mi- find a non-bigoted one? That might no, they weren't bigoted. Eric Harris was big time. Oh really? Yes. Well, it would have been interesting though, if Dennis Klebold, the the trench coat guy, if he was like, you would have been listed among some other funny things. It'd been like, oh, s- I love Slipknot, <laughs> I love Mudvayne and Marilyn Manson, <laughs> and my favorite comedian is John Paul Rivera. Ooh. <laughs> So that was know. a fun exercise. I'm glad we did that. And um, <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. Uh, all right, let's do a Deepak Chopra. Yeah, something you like oh, about the show. We've gotten rid of the meme minute. The meme minute's been expunged from the the annals of series finale. 
<laughs> so it sounds like we shit it out. <laughs> you don't want to do a meme minute for Hill Street Blues? Um, I don't want to, but you know what the problem is? Anytime we say, oh, we didn't do a meme minute, we don't do it anymore, it forces our hand. We have to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. so it's, like, it's like when we say, let's do a deep box jump moment, when we want to do a meme minute, we say, oh, we f- let's not do a meme minute, and then we do it. <laughs> yeah, let's right. see, bad arson investigator pushing away. Mm-hmm. Electrical fire. <laughs> yes. Bad arson investigator pointing and smiling. Jewish lightning. That's good. I like that. That's um, a bad arson. Inve- yeah. That's a bad and anti-Semitic arson investigator. <laughs> it's funny when that guy does that line about, oh, this is what they call Jewish lightning. And he goes, what's wrong? And she doesn't go like, that comment was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, what is this, 80? 81? 87, I think, oh. at this point. Damn, we've come a long way. We've come a long way, baby. It was uh, almost 40 years ago, my friend. Not quite, but almost. It was 33 years ago. Yeah, almost 40. Round up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a 5 foot 10 guy. I'm 6, yeah, almost. <laughs> Christopher Dorner said 33 was close to 40 <laughs> in his manifesto. Did he? Yeah, he said I'm 33 years old. I'm almost 40. And he said <laughs> five and a half is big. <laughs> That's the Dorner standard of age. Some people say 30 is the new 20, but Dorner said 33 is the new 40. <laughs> um, all right. So my Deepak Chopra moment was uh, my Deepak Chopra moment was I, th- I love the acting of the sad old lady who just wanted a friend. I thought Aww. she did a beautiful job and that made me sad. My Deepak Chopra moment was the quick response of the firefighters and that they were heavily involved in fire investigation. I enjoyed mm. their prioritizing of how a fire starts. That was good, too. My Deepak Chopra moment was the sort of squirrely character uh, who is hunting the serial killer and wants to uh, threaten his ex-wife's lawyer. I thought his character was like gritty and interesting to watch. You think he deserved a Beverly Hills spinoff? I think he could have been like, uh, I think he could have done a Cuban thing. Cuban. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Andy Garcia guest starred on an episode of Hill Street Blues. Really? Yeah. Brian Cranston was in the episode before this. Really? What the hell? That's crazy. All right, let's do a role play. I want to be standards and practice for um, <laughs> NYPD <laughs> Blue. Okay. I'll, I'll be, um, I'll be friends. Then I will be uh I'll be the director of NYP I'll be the director of the episode of I'll be I'll be um oh I'll be um hold on. What's his name? I'll be hold on. Fuck. The guy that Christopher Dorner was talking about. Ellen? No, the director the director of the hangover movies. Oh Todd Phillips. <laughs> I'll be Todd Phillips. <laughs> All right. Hey guys, uh, I just wanted to bring you in. I had some concerns about the upcoming episode. Okay. You know? yeah. Well, I want to start this off by just saying, if you have concerns, you can feel free to shove them up Dennis's ass. That is exactly what we're here to talk about. All hey, right? what the fuck is this guy talking about? He wants to shove something up my ass. That's in the script. <laughs> have you not read it yet, Dennis? I I struggle to read. This is uh, we're we're trying to push boundaries here. I'm I'm coming in to push boundaries. I'm trying to get certain people hooked on the show. What I want to show is a certain aspect of male sexuality that's not addressed on network TV, and that is pegging, well, getting pegged. I agree with that, but the fact that, what you know... What the hell is pegging? Well, in the hey. episode, Dennis, yeah? you say, I want to demilitarize and defund the police, and you grab a fellow cop's night watchman stick, <laughs> put it on his bed buckle, and then you power bottom it. <laughs> and that is just something that we have a problem with on NBC. <laughs> 
Do you want him to use a different color stick? I really need this comeback to go well for me. Beverly Hills didn't work out like I wanted. I need this for my. I need. I need you guys. To be honest, yeah, he needs this real bad. He'll do anything to make sure the color of the stick is fine. And the power bottoming is fine. It's the fact that so you say defund the police that is crossing <laughs> a line. That you consider that indecent. I you consider that to be indecent. You have to stand up for something you believe in. And I believe that the, pa- the, the, the stick needs to be so far up my ass that I'm screaming about defunding <laughs> the military. <laughs> <laughs> that, can't you see that this is important art? That I we're need cre- this Emmy. Trust I me, this. I can see it's important. But I just don't want to have parents <laughs> have to have the conversation about what defund the police means. I mean, by all means, you can show the sex act. The parents can explain that. But, but to don't have you see... Don't the, the try to compromise the vision. Thank you. The they're, they're linked. They're inextricably linked. It's like when a woman gets pregnant, you can't just get rid of the baby. I'm glad we agree <laughs> on that. <laughs> you got... I don't know if I agree with you, and we'll talk about that later, but for now, I just need you to understand. For them to understand... For the viewer to know how much I care about defunding the military and the police, they need to see the stick go up my anus and me scream it. I, again, I agree that you <laughs> screaming and the stick is not a problem. It's the <laughs> radical left policies of the Biden administration okay. that we don't want what to about? Endorse. What if we change the line? What Let's if it's, change the line. What if it's not defund the police? What if it's pre-cum the police? Um, I'll run that by standards of practice, but to be <laughs> honest, I'm grateful for your collaboration. That sounds what, good. What if it's the police? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be open to Dennis's notes. <laughs> that's why you're my favorite director, and that's why Hoffman loved you. Uh, I'm going to have definitely edit that out, but what do you give the show? Uh, three. Oh, Hill Street Blues? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I'm gonna give it a five. I liked that. Uh, I like that it's old and set in a, in a fictional city. Although the episode that I watched, I I didn't. The download didn't work for all of it, so I only caught the first twenty minutes. Hilarious, <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Uh, I'll give it a five point one. So you're saying we went on a tangent about gender and podcasting, and you wanted to cut that short to get back to a show <laughs> that you had missed two thirds of. <laughs> good night, America. all right. Good night, guys. <laughs>